Well, this week it was reported that Prince's estate is finally settled after a six-year court battle. He had $156 million in his estate, but he didn't have a will. You know, I know I get preachy. I know I'm nagging. But to the listeners out there, if you don't have an estate plan, you don't have to be a prince or prince to have one, and you need to get one. My next guest is one of the best estate planning lawyers in the state. Christian Manali has been a lawyer for 23 years. He does estate planning, guardianship. He gives tax advice, business formation. And as of last year, Christian is of counsel to my firm. Christian, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me, Karen. So this estate, from what we know about it, and we don't know everything because we, we just hear what's, what goes on in the media, how did this whole thing go down, and why did it take so long, and where did the money go, and, and how is it finally determined? Well, um, as is always the case when you die without an estate plan, your assets pass to your heirs. And in this case, um, Prince's heirs were his six half-siblings. Um, so there's like a, a flow chart or a family tree sort of uh, idea, um, depending on, on who the uh, family members closest to you happen to be, whether you're married, whether you have kids, that kind of thing determines where your assets would go. And that's what happened in Prince's case. Um, although uh, the interesting thing was uh, in the article that I read that the assets actually passed to two different companies owned by different factions of the three siblings or half siblings uh, instead of to the half siblings themselves. So I'm assuming there was something like a uh, family settlement agreement between them indicating how they wanted the assets to pass. Perhaps there was a um, controversy over which assets were included in Prince's estate or not. Uh, that precipitated that. I mean, very complicated. I mean, and it's, you know, I would imagine that even the ongoing royalties and the like have to then mm-hmm. pass to these heirs, and there has to be something set up for that into perpetuity. I mean, it's just super complicated. And, you know, we've seen this over and over again. Uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Pablo Picasso, Michael Jackson, Sonny Bono, no will. They didn't have a will. And, and all of those people had complicated estates and i assume that people come out of the woodwork trying to claim that they're related in some way and you see that all the time um and so this is a disaster so i read somewhere christian that there was about a three million dollar bill that was paid to one of the banks it was what is your reading what is your understanding of what that was for so that was for uh administration expenses um you know collecting the assets paying off whatever debts and expenses the estate had, preparing tax returns, that sort of thing. Um, that's what the, the fee would be for. Typically, when a bank or a trust company is acting as the um, administrator, um, they, they get paid um, a percentage of the, of the assets of the estate, uh, but sometimes there's a... Um, a fee schedule that they that they use, and so that sounds like a lot of money, three million dollars. But given that the overall estate was a hundred and fifty six million, it's not really that bad. Still, just think about if you want your hard earned money upon your passing to go to a bank or a lawyer or all kinds of people who you really don't want that money to go to. If you if you do your estate planning well, you you're going to reduce those and maybe not zero them out, but you're going to reduce uh, the costs. So 
Um, tell our listeners, I mean, we always get this question, and why don't I open up the phone lines? Anyone who has an estate planning question, you can give us a call here. Uh, maybe in about 10 minutes, I'll start to take any legal question. But if you have a question specifically about estate planning, now would be the time to call 312-981-7200. Tell us what happens um, when you don't have an estate plan that would hap- would not happen if you did have one. It's a great question. So probate isn't the end of the world, but probate is the process in which a court gets involved to um, assist a family with getting control of a a deceased assets. And a lawyer has to be involved. The court supervises it. Uh, The expense is associated mainly with with the the lawyer fees and the the court process. Um, In order to avoid probate, you need to use something called uh, a trust um, because even if you have a will, that will also goes through the probate process. Well, a lot of times these days when people seek estate planning help, they also want to try to avoid probate. Um, again, probate's not the end of the world, but it just definitely results in added expense and, and time um, that you don't have to deal with if you use a trust. And a trust and a will can can seem similar in that they both provide for what happens to a person's assets after they die. The big difference between the two documents is the will only takes effect after you die, whereas the trust takes effect right away. And you can think of the trust like a box that you can place your assets inside. And to the extent that your assets, like your house, your investments and savings are in that box at the time of your death, they automatically um, become under the control of the next trustee in line, the successor trustee that you name in your trust document. And that person then can distribute the assets without having to go through court. And just to clarify, a lot of people kind of go, oh, I get rid of my assets while I'm alive, but you're in control of them. You're just putting it into a box, right? And putting, and you're the trustee, meaning you can control, you could still sell your assets, right? You can still acquire more assets. It's not going to prevent you from doing anything. It's just this kind of a legal fiction, if you will, that allows that box then to be distributed upon your death without any further litigation or going to court. That's right. So I, I tell people there's three three people involved with the trust. There's the person that creates the trust called the grantor or the settlor. Then there's the trustee, who is the person that follows the instructions of the grantor in how the trust assets are to be administered. And those instructions are contained in the trust document. And then the third person is the beneficiary. That's the person for whose benefit those assets are being held and invested and distributed to. And when you're creating your estate plan initially, you are all three, the grantor, the trustee, and the beneficiary. Only on your death um, will the uh, beneficiary change uh, in a typical um, estate planning situation um, like that. Okay, so we're, we're talking to Christian Manali. We're talking about estate planning. I see that Gwen and Lisa have some really good questions, but can you, uh, let's, let's take a break. And we come back, we'll be taking your legal questions with Christian Manali, 312-981-7200. We are talking about estate planning. You should have one. Prince didn't have one, and he paid. 
after he died. Let's let's go to the phone lines. We've got lots of callers with questions for Christian Manelli, who is the estate planning expert here. 312-981-7200. Let's go to, um, you know, I, Christian, I wanted to tell you, ask you this question, and I get it all the time. These legal uh, sites, the D, you know, the do-it-yourself sites, everyone says, why can't I just go online and do that? And, you know, and they must know what they're doing. Tell us why we should not do that. Well, it, it is a good question. And, you know, there are some times where you have a very simple situation and you look at a document on a website and it just, um, there's a few blanks to fill in and it seems, why can't I do that? And, and the, you know, the answer is that deciding what to put into a document and whether to even use that form with those blanks at all requires um, the kind of knowledge that only a, an attorney has. Um, it's, it's difficult for a person that's not an attorney uh, to create their own estate planning documents, their own business documents. Um, it's like not being a plumber and trying to fix your own plumbing. Sometimes you might be successful, but I definitely don't recommend doing it on your own. Well, and you know, I'll, I'll just give an example from my personal life. I mean, I'm an attorney and I've practiced law for a long time. Several years ago, I went to update my estate plan. And, you know, there were about 10 different things that the lawyer told me that I should consider that I had no idea about. And I'm a lawyer and I know a little bit about this stuff. So if I don't know about mm-hmm. different things that would help save taxes or little creative things that might be, you know, make things go more that's noise uh that would go more quickly uh you know there were things that you couldn't get from an online do-it-yourself you just couldn't and because he knew me and he spoke with me and he you know asked me what my goals were i was able to tell him things which then led him to ask these questions and give me other examples so again i always tell people christian i'm sure you have your little ways to tell people why they should have an estate plan i mean we we pay money for insurance right because we want to protect our assets we pay all kinds of things to keep our house up to par. We we pay a lot of money to you know keep our health up up to speed, and this is just one of them to protect uh, ultimately what what happens to those hard earned assets, and also to protect your family from fights. As you have seen, I'm sure over the years, families get completely and totally dismantled because of grudges and fights, and not even about a lot of money. Right? Sometimes it's about a piece of jewelry or, or a house or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, you really hit the nail on the head. There's a few different reasons why you want to have an attorney help you, in, in particular at the estate plan. One is to make the tax planning as efficient as possible so you pay as little as possible, obviously, in taxes. Uh, the second is to make sure that the wishes that you have are carried out the way that you want them to be and to avoid having a situation where something ambiguous happens. I hear oftentimes after somebody dies, my aunt wanted me to have this particular brooch. My sister thinks that my aunt wanted her to have it, but she's dead wrong. And people say things throughout, you know, their lifetimes that, that they don't necessarily intend to have legal consequences after they die. Right. (laughs) And um, it's, it is important Whenever I meet with a client to do estate planning, the, the first thing you do is you figure out what are the assets and what kind of assets are they? Because certain assets are subject to certain taxes and certain other ones aren't. 
how the assets are titled also matters because it helps me help help the client then organize their assets so that once they do pass, they can rest assured that their spouse, eventually their children will have access to those assets uh, immediately upon um, passing without going through the hassle of, of probate or some sort of family squabble. Um, but, you know, talking about this made me think of one of the reasons why people don't like thinking about estate planning. Sometimes people have um, a messy financial picture where they, they say, oh, we, we don't have enough money to, to warrant an estate plan. And that's really not the case. Um, it's very important to make sure that you at least try to have your, your wishes expressed in, in your estate planning documents to avoid the type of family squabbles or or um, other, you know, unintended consequences that could happen if, if you don't have your, your estate plan in place um, just for the emotional well-being of your family members. Absolutely. Um, there's money and then there's emotions, and uh, and both of those together are very strong, compelling reasons to have an estate plan. I'm going to give out um, our, our information in case you want to talk to Christian privately, WGN at AskKarenConti.com. My number at the office, and this you can get Christian on this number, 312-332-7800. Let's go to Lisa. I think I hung up on her, so Drew, why don't you put her on the line? Uh, hi, Lisa. Welcome to WGN. You had a question about a will and a trust. Hi, Lisa. Oh, no one wants to talk to me today. I'm taking this personally. Um, hi, Lisa. There you hi. are. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I am 65. I plan on retiring in about a year and a half when I turn 67. I am divorced for over 20 years. I, um, I have a townhome, so there's a mortgage on it. Um, four adults, grown children, uh, eight grandchildren. I've talked, had discussions with my children. They said, we're fine. We don't need anything. Just leave it to the grandkids. So... Um, I guess that's my question. Do I do just a will, a some kind of trust how do i leave whatever i do have 401k whatever's in there anymore and what i have (laughs) as far as equity in my townhome to the grandkids okay lisa and i'm going to just interject that it's probably very difficult to answer specifically giving out legal advice because we don't know everything and christian would have about a million other questions but just generally christian can you talk lisa through this analysis sure yeah, I, I won't go into the analysis of whether we should do a will or a trust right away. The first thing I'll say is you pointed out you wanted to leave your assets to the grandkids. Now, whether you use a will or you use a trust, it's important that you do one of those two things and not leave it to, to fate. Obviously, if you leave it to fate, it would go directly to the kids. But even right. even if your child predeceased you and, and the assets were passing to the grandkids, if you don't use a will or a trust, the assets that you're passing to minors may end up in guardianship court um, instead of going um, in, instead of being left for them in a way that their parents, for example, can can use them. So, in a will or a trust, there's typically a provision that says for a beneficiary that's under the age of 18, or sometimes people like to use it an older age, like 21 or 25. The provision right. will say any any bequest going to uh, a beneficiary of that age will be held on to either by the trustee or the executor until the child reaches that certain age, 
Meanwhile, the executor or the trustee can use that money to pay for health, reasonable comfort, support in reasonable comfort, education, right. and that sort of thing. So, um, so that's kind of what I was thinking is like to leave it for the younger ones, but they're not of reasonable like um, I don't know responsibility. So leaving it at like a age limit of when they reach twenty five. And these are all you know, yeah, these uh, are all the questions that you will be okay. asked if you you face to face. So um, I think that's a great question, and I'm glad uh, glad you asked it. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Good luck and good luck in your retirement and with all those grandchildren. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you. You know, I was just reading about Whitney Houston uh, tragic death. She left a will that apparently wasn't very well thought out because it left her child uh, a ton of money before she was really ready and able to handle it and as a result not saying as a result of the money but she you know there was there were, she had problems and ended up dying of an overdose uh, and and a lot of people said that she had her hands on too much money too soon but again that's exactly what we're talking about where you want to just make sure that the money goes uh, to the right people at the right age Peter let's go to Peter uh, line two Hi, Peter. Welcome to WGN. Well, hello. Good afternoon. We only have like a few seconds here, but see if you can get it. Okay, go. How do I find out if I was included or excluded from a will or trust? My father died last September with substantial wealth, and his current wife, or at the time, we haven't heard a thing. So we don't know, my sisters and I, whether we were included or not. And because of our relationship with her, if she was in charge of that, we may never know. So how would we find out? That's a really good question. And you know what, Christian, we have, uh, we have just a few seconds to talk about it. In fact, why don't we do this? I'm going to put you on hold, Peter. And why don't we uh, take a break now? And I want to uh, give that a little bit more time because this is a very common question. I think my aunt left me money in the trust. I think my uh, dad left me money. How do I find out? Is there somewhere I can call? Is there some information bank somewhere? Does the lawyer have to tell me? Does the heir have have to tell me, but let's uh, let's address that. We're talking to Christian Manelli, and we're talking about estate planning here. Give us a call, 312-981-7200. You're listening to WGN. We're talking wills and estates with Christian Manali. He's an expert in this area. He's been doing it a long time. He does uh, little ones, does big ones. He does all kinds of wills and estates, guardianships, gives tax advice, and also does business formation. Um, you can always reach him at my address, which is WGN at com, or you can call at 312-332-7800. You can either ask for me or for Christian. And Peter had a great question, which I get all the time. And Christian, I'm sure that uh, you get this question. How do you, he, Peter said his dad had substantial wealth. He was remarried to somebody and, and Peter has no idea where the money is. Did it, was it any left to him? How will he find that out? How can he find that out? Well, in the best case scenario, Peter's father had a will, and um, the executor is required to file um, the will within 30 days after the decedent has passed away. Um, Not every executor does that, and there's not really some enforcement mechanism that I could think of when it doesn't happen. But um, in the instance where Peter's father had assets that are subject to probate, meaning that a court's going to be needed in order to get control of some of Peter's father's assets, then um, the will would be filed as a, um, nece- as a necessity, and um, it's a public record once it's filed, and you can look up the name of a person that passed away 
um, in the um, online court docket information um, in the county where where the person died um, within the state of Illinois, and hopefully get some get information that way. Um, you can also request a copy of the will. Now, if um, Peter's father had a trust, then it gets a little bit more difficult, um, almost impossible. Um, and in fact, one of the reasons that people use a trust is is the fact that a trust is a private document as opposed to a public document. Um, if Peter's father had a trust, the big decisions and the important provisions would be in it. He would also have a will, but the will would be a simple pour-over document that acts as a safety net to sweep assets into the trust that aren't already there. Um, and, you know, the idea is that there won't be any assets subject to probate and there won't be any need for the will um, to, to be used. So if, if that's the case, and if uh, Peter's father had a trust, then the only way Peter would be required to get a copy of the trust would be if Peter was a beneficiary in that document. And it can, I've seen it happen where, especially in a second um, spouse situation, um, if, if um, there aren't, you know, good relationships, um, if, if dad didn't leave anything to kids from a prior marriage, and left everything to, you know, new spouse, then um, it, it's difficult for the kids to learn anything about what's going on in dad's estate plan. Um, and, you know, my advice to people that are in a second marriage situation and they have kids from a prior marriage, or maybe their spouse has kids from a prior marriage, is to be upfront with your family members about what you're doing so that this kind of anxiety isn't unnecessarily created um, and, and in your kids. Absolutely. And and here's here's another thing that, you know, a lot of people like Peter are probably saying, well, what if what if my dad left me money? Because maybe he said that over mm-hmm. the years, or he left me assets. And what if the, mm-hmm. the, the second wife just decided not to give them to me? And she's the trustee, and I have no way of knowing, you know, and we're leaving it to her, and we're leaving it up to her on the honor system. Uh, not so much, but there's really nothing you can do short of filing something well, in court. But if you filed something, you'd have to have a reason to believe that she was not doing right. her job as a trustee, correct? That's right. You can't just have a feeling. You need to have some sort of evidence that there's an account that was intended for me or that, you know, was, was uh, um, or, or some other situation, some actual proof. Now, you could... Let's say you don't really think dad had a trust, but you think dad had money. You could open a probate estate for your father, and if your father's new wife is holding on to money, um, she you'd have to, because of the way probate works, she'd be notified that you've tried to open the probate estate. Um, She would then have to become involved, and there is a a discovery process. that, that you use um, called a citation to discover assets that, that you could potentially use as a means of, of finding out assets that a person is hiding away uh, from an estate. And that's, that's something we probably it's, it gets really complicated. So let's, 
I think yeah. I think that that's one of the lessons here for everyone here is to be upfront with with your family members. Um, I have Lee who's holding on, and I've got a bunch of texters all asking the same question: How much does this cost? And if you can just Christian, just give us a range of how much an estate plan could cost. I know that we're talking, you know, it's, if it's complicated, it's going to cost more. If it's simple, it's going to cost less. But what is it? What is sure. a typical price range? So, yeah, as you said, if it's if it's uh, complicated, it, it can be much more expensive. Also, where you live um, makes a big difference. If you live downstate in Illinois, for example, the prices might be less. I can only really tell you what it would cost in, in Chicago. And um, in, in, in my practice, estate plans are typically around 1800 to $3,000 for fairly simple estate plans, some, you know, with some complexity. Um, it can be a little bit less than that in certain situations, but that's, that's generally the, the range. Okay. And let's, uh, someone asked a question about, well, let's go to Laura. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the show. And I get this question quite a bit. Uh, welcome to WGN. You have a question about a special needs trust. Hi, no, 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 not at all. It was a, a different question, but I think it uh, affects a lot of different people and I'll make it as succinct as possible. I was surprised and shocked and dismayed to find out that if there is unclaimed property and a family member finds it, but was not the executor of the will and everything's been taken care of and five to 10 years have gone by and they want to get what is rightfully their portion. Unless the person that was the executor decides to fill out the paperwork, that money is just left there that they have no control because they do, they were not the executor. And I'm speaking of the unclaimed property. There was some Mm -hmm. money that belonged to my mother and um, my sister had passed away. She was originally the executor, and then it went to the next oldest and the next oldest. So the second in line took over. Uh, very poor relations. We, we do not speak. And she does not need the money. She has multiple properties in the U.S., multiple cars. Okay, but hold on, you know, hold on. And that's that's probably not the right analysis. Right. It's not that, you know. So so let's... But she doesn't need the money. Okay, so but that doesn't mean... But hold on. But she's the she's the current executor. And you're saying she's not filling out the paperwork. There's money that could potentially go to you as one of the, your mother's heirs. But Christian, is she right that the executor would have to fill out the paperwork? So if a if a probate estate had been opened originally, which it, which seems to be the case here, then the the proper procedure is to reopen the probate estate. And so the person you would normally ask to do that would be the executor that that was named. Um, I'm not sure if there might be a way to try to open this estate um, on your own um, while getting your um, petitioning to get the estate. I think actually I had done a, a, a reopening in a little bit. Um, I, I do think there may be a way that you can try to get the estate opened with a petition indicating that your sister's the executor without her having to necessarily um, help you with the initial documents, though she would need to be cooperative, of course, or at least decline to serve. So um, so let's before we get into the weeds here, I think I yeah. think Laura needs to call 
uh, or uh, I think it's Laura. There's two Lauras here. Laura needs to call our office or email us. And the the question to me is going to be how much is in here? I mean, is it $300? You know, if $300, you're going to spend, you know, $5,000 in legal fees to get that it makes no sense. If it's a huge amount of money, then maybe it is a worth your while to do that. But certainly not the fact that you need the money. That doesn't drive it. It's going to be driven by can the state be opened? Who gets to open it? And I think uh, Christian probably needs some more facts on that one. But uh, definitely give us an email, WGN at AskKarenConti.com. And this is the other Laura who did have the question about special needs trust. Hi, Laura. Hi. Okay. We're really on this time, right? Yes, you're on. Okay, okay. So uh, when when my when I adopted my son at birth, uh, I did all of the planning that you've been talking about. And as life situations have changed, for example, I got divorced, and then also his special needs starting started presenting themselves. And every time. Uh, the situation or the information changed significantly. I amended all everything. Uh, at now he's 26 years old. He uh, has never supported himself. He's trying to get a job. He's never held uh, a full-time job. Um, and I, I, I know I need to look into a special needs trust, which never did that before. And also, I'll just throw in that after literally three years of working on getting him on Social Security, SSDA or whatever that is. um, Disability, right. Disability, yes. His legal address is in Illinois. Uh, okay, Laura, however, just hold on. It's just it's getting okay. a little too complicated. So okay, okay. Well, I, I won't tell you that part. Okay, so just let let me let me just have. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to have Christian just briefly because we only have like a. I'm sorry, we've got a few seconds here. Tell sure. us what a special needs trust is, Christian, and it sounds like that's what something she needs. Correct. That's correct. A special needs trust is designed to allow you to leave assets to a beneficiary that's receiving government benefits like SSDI or other assistance without jeopardizing their ability to retain the benefits. Usually you have to have a certain amount of, uh, uh, there's an asset qualification in order to receive these benefits. And if you all of a sudden receive a big chunk of money from your grandmother or your, your, your mother who died, that could throw you off those benefits. The special needs trust is a way to leave those benefits to the person receive. I'm sorry, to leave your assets to the person receiving those benefits without them losing those benefits and using the assets you're leaving to just augment their 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 income and their support. Okay, and that's something that that a, a lawyer has to have a little bit of concentration in that, and you got to really make sure a lawyer knows what they're doing because if you do that wrong, it could cost you a lot of money. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll finish up with uh, Christian Manali. We're talking about estate planning here on WGN. We're talking estate planning. Uh, if you want to contact Christian or me at the office. Give me an email at WGN at AskKarenConti.com. Spelling is all over the internet. You can look at the WGN website, look at my uh, 
Sunday show, and you can get my name spelled correctly, WGN at AskKarenConti.com, 312-332-7800. A couple of texters asked the same question, and Christian, I'm going to ask you this. We're talking about wills and trusts, but they're talking about land trust. Should I have my house in a land trust? This is something totally different. Same word, but a different uh, concept. Can you tell uh, just briefly what a land trust is and what the benefits are? Christian? Is Christian there? Sorry, I, I had myself muted. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so a land trust is um, one option for owning a, a piece of real estate in Illinois that allows you to provide for a, a different beneficiary to receive the house on your death. Um, also, it provides some anonymity because... Um, as we discussed before, a trust has three people, the grantor, the beneficiary, and the trustee. In this case, you're the grantor placing your house in the trust. A bank or a trust company is the trustee. And then you you are the beneficiary while you're alive. And on your death, a success, you can name a contingent beneficiary. Um, and if anybody looks up the, um, the deed in the records, they can just see it's land trust number such and such. So a lot of times people use land trust for anonymity but they have the added bonus of allowing you to name a successor or a beneficiary. Uh, the drawback to a land trust, if all you want to do is leave your house to a different beneficiary, the drawback is you have to pay the bank or the land trust company an annual fee for serving as your trustee. So if you do a regular revocable trust, you don't have to deal with that fee to hire a front cost to create a revocable trust than to create a land trust, but you don't have to continue paying an annual fee. And there's another option in Illinois called a transfer on death instrument where you can leave your house to a beneficiary using a special deed called a transfer on death instrument, um, which does not involve a bank or trust company, so you don't have to continue to pay an annual fee. And it works just for your house. All you have to do is pay for the cost to have this document prepared, and that can be a good solution for some people if the only house or the only asset they have that that might go through probate happens to be their home. Drawback is you can't put anything else in there. So if you've got other assets, investments, savings, businesses, you may be better off with a revocable trust than than, than a transfer on death instrument or a land trust. Okay, and this is getting real complicated. But, you know, I think, Christian, the, the main thing that I have seen, and you're right, it's just the anonymity, because you know we can all plug in addresses and you can go online and see who lives there and how much it's sold for and how many bedrooms there are. And, you know, if you prefer not for have people not to know where you live or where your home is, um, that's always a really good option. Let's go to Gail, who we tried to get on before, but we're going to try to get her on again. Hi, Gail. Welcome to WGN. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Finally. (laughs) You guys are so smart. Oh, my God. Am I lucky to have turned on WGN? Anyway, my first first question was how I find a reputable, knowledgeable estate planner. Well, I think I found him in Christian. Um, Yay, Christian. But (laughs) be that as it may, if, if I were to look, where would I 
start? Where would that That's a good question because maybe maybe you're downstate and you're listening to this and and uh, you know maybe you want to have somebody close by. So Christian, how do you go about? This is always a good question because it's not like there's a place to go that has like the lawyers that are rated best and and the people who come up on Google first aren't necessarily the best lawyers. They, you know, they may be the ones who who paid for uh, you know, paid paid to be there. Why don't you quickly, I, we only have a few seconds, Christian, but what? how do you find a good lawyer? Well, oftentimes, starting with an existing lawyer that you know uh, is a good way to go. I can't think of a service or a system or like a Yelp sort of thing for lawyers, although the Chicago Bar Association does refer make referrals to attorneys. Um, that, that could be a source, although I wouldn't say that it necessarily tell you who the best attorneys are, they can at least hook you up with reputable ones. And that's a good point, okay. Christian. Ask, you know, if you have a good real estate lawyer who handled your closing or your divorce, call him or her and say, you know, who you think is the best in the West for estate planning, and you'll probably get a good answer. Okay, quickly, okay. Uh, Gail. And then real quickly, um, can I have an only child, and um, I am spending his inheritance, and he knows that. But if there's anything left, um, uh can he be both the executor and the beneficiary of the trust? Absolutely. He yep. can. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get my record collection, but short of that. <laughs> How about the eight track tapes? Maybe you can leave those to yeah. me. <laughs> maybe anyway but thank you answer my question all right thank, and, uh, thank you guys Gail. have a great rest of your weekend you too thank you for calling and quickly really quickly going back to school kids are going back to college we talked about this issue christian if your yeah. child turns 18 in college you might need to get them a, a power of attorney isn't that right Yes, this is a great idea. Uh, so what, a, what, I, what we're talking about is a power of attorney for health care decisions. So God forbid your child's out of state or in this state but far away, they're in a car accident, they have some sort of disease, something happens where they're injured, the doctor's got information that they can only share with your child, but your child's unconscious. And it's information or a decision that only your child can make. You if you have a power of attorney, if your child has a power of attorney, they can designate you as their agent to receive that information or to make those decisions for you. And it could be a big help, um, you know, in a traumatic situation. And that's all we have time for. But if you want to pursue that further, because it's a really important issue, you can give us a call at the office, 312 312- uh, 332-7800, or better yet, email at WGN at AskKarenConti.com. Stay tuned for The Rick Hogan Show. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday.